Well, if you weren't here last time, we were looking at some things about criticism, correction. Is it ever wrong for us to be critical of, of God? Or is it ever right for us to be critical of God? Is it ever right for us to be critical of God's servants? Is it ever right for us to be critical of people in power? So those are the things we looked at. The main guiding principles we had for this were the areas of the uh, three guiding principles for this, that if you're going to have good criticism, and there is good criticism, and there is bad criticism. Good criticism has three foundations to it. First off, or four, three principles, the first one is foundation. What is, the, what is the criticism, what is the correction based on? Good is based on what is written or what is spoken as guidelines. What is written or what is spoken to you. Bad criticism is stuff that was never spoken to you. But good criticism, someone has spoken it to you. Whether it be a boss, whether it be God, God always holds us accountable to his word and to what he has told us to do. Not what our feelings dictate. How many of y'all know sometimes your feelings dictate to do something different from what his word said? Sometimes our feelings dictate us to do something different than what he spoke to us to do. And what are you going to listen to? If you step outside of what God wrote to you and what God spoke to you, then he's going to correct you. Because God corrects those whom he Love. loves. And who are the ones that hear his voice? His sheep. My sheep know my voice. You're going to hear it and you're going to respond to it. But the foundation is what is written or what is spoken. The function, its purpose, its result that is desired cannot be for personal gain. If it's going to be good correction, if it's going to be good criticism, the function, the purpose, the result cannot be for you to gain personally. But it is to better the individual that receives it or the group that they are a part of. The third one was the forum. Is it public, private, small group? It should only match the act or be less. If you did something in, in private then the correction should not come in public. If you did something in public, then God has the choice to correct you in private or in a, a small group, whatever you'll listen to. God desires that you not be embarrassed, but that correction would have a, a, a turn you around. That's all he desires. A lot of times we think that God wants exposure. God doesn't care about that. God cares about, let's get you on the right path. Make sure you don't fall in the, in the wrong way. We said before that if you stop receiving correction, you will lose your source of power. If you stop receiving correction, you will lose your source of power. If you're in a job and you stop receiving correction from your boss, what's your boss going to do? He's going to replace you. He's going to fire you, get somebody else in there who will listen and will do it. If you stop receiving correction from God, what's God going to do? He's got to take you out of your position because you're not listening to him. Now, he's going to try and correct you first. First thing he's going to do is he's going to, he's going to speak to you in the spirit. His spirit is going to speak to you. If you don't listen to that, what does, he, what does he do next? He sends people. Prophets, ministers, people to come along and to, to speak something to you. and say, hey, you're missing it here. This is what the word of God says. This is what you should be doing. If you choose to ignore that, then God's going to remove you. Remember in the book of Revelation, First three chapters. 
He was warned in some of the churches. Didn't, I think there were two churches that didn't receive warnings and five that did. But the five that did, he said, if you don't listen, I'm going to remove your lampstand. If you don't take this correction, I'm going to remove your lampstand. And Saul didn't receive correction anymore. What happened to him? God says, I'm going to remove you. I'm going to take you, take you out. Hophni and Phinehas, they stopped listening to correction. Their dad came and corrected them. God came and corrected them. And what did God do? I'm going to take them out. If you change who you receive correction from, so too moves your source of power. And see, this is important for us to learn because when God corrects us, he corrects us into his way of his word, but the power still flows. But what the devil wants to do is to get you to change your source of correction. See, that you, we don't always think what the devil does is correction. But he wants you to stop obeying God's word and start obeying your flesh. So he's going to correct you in such a way to get you out of obeying God's word and get you to start obeying your flesh. If you follow that type of correction that he's going to give, you change your source of power from God to him. Is that good? You haven't upgraded your power there, have you? Kind of went, you went down in your power. Not, not doing so good. You know, I, we're out there on the, on the road a lot of times. And, you know, I drive around in a truck. And the truck that I drive has a large engine in it. We didn't come with a small six-cylinder engine in it. It's got, we got eight full cylinders pulling uh, whatever it is that's going on. And sometimes I drive by one of those smart cars. Yeah, okay. I think, I think they have a hard time getting home with the groceries. That's my opinion of those things. They, uh, they don't have a whole lot. Well, we always have fun. We, we, were, we had to go out to some place after church last week and pick up uh, something that was in a rather large box. And I always love doing this with the people. With the, you know, they're going to help you and carry out the large box to the thing. Says, all right, do you think this will fit in my Prius? <laughs> and to their credit, I mean, they were professionals. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get it in there. I said, well, that's okay. You don't have to. It's my <laughs> we have a truck. <laughs> that's always fun doing that. Get more fun out of the people over at Lowe's. If you go to a Lowe's where they don't know me, then, uh, you know, we can have some fun with that. But, you know, you want, if you're going to carry something big, if you're going to do something big, you need some... You need some power. You need some force behind that. Don't change your source of power. Devil's an inferior source. Now, the, the enemy employs this tactic to take away your power and to put you under him. He's going to try and get you to change your source of correction, where you take criticism from. He's going to undermine what you hear from the people that you're supposed to listen to from the Spirit of God you're supposed to listen to, from the Word of God you're supposed to listen to, it's going to try and change your source of power. Because if he changes your source of power, he's got you. He's very patient. He will wait to undermine you. He doesn't have to do it today. He's going to undermine you over a period of weeks, months even, until he gets you into the spot where he can, he can take you down. I want you to take you over to a verse of Scripture here in Proverbs chapter 6. How many of y'all know the seven things that God hates? There are seven things the Word of God specifically states that God hates. That's pretty strong wording, isn't it? If God hates something, how many of y'all know you probably shouldn't do it? If your boss came out and he had a meeting and said, there are seven things I hate, you ought to be taking notes. If he gets up there and says, I hate it when people are late, you ought to take notes and say what? I will not be late. 
I will make sure that I'm going to be here early. Right? I hate it when people are late. I hate it when people take too long a lunch. Yeah, okay, we're going to make sure we come back from lunch of anything early. I mean, you're going to take notes on this thing. You want to please the boss because that's your source of power, your source of income in that company. Six things the Lord hates, it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. First off, a proud look. How many have ever seen that amongst people? I mean, they just got that proud look. They said something, they did something, they just got that proud look about them, and it just rubs you the wrong way. Have you ever had that? Rubs you the wrong way? You're in good company. God says he hates it. Hates it. Can you imagine that? Because who does a proud look? I guarantee you, it's not your chihuahua. You know, it's not your cat. Proud look is given by people. People give proud looks. And God says, I hate that. I hate that. You see somebody giving a proud look, and you can say, oh, God, you don't like that. (laughs) That person ought to quit. Make sure that you don't do it either. So that's the first thing. He says, a proud look. Second thing he says, a lying tongue. That's a tongue that goes about saying lies. Do you know people who just constantly lie? Just lie after lie after lie after lie. Have you ever saw that movie, Liar, Liar? Yeah, yeah we saw it when it came on TV. I was going to show you, pull out a little clip for that and pull it over here, but that wasn't possible. <coughs> you watch it on TV, they clean it up. Otherwise, Jim Carrey, I don't know about him. He's, he's something. I guess he's just reading the script. But you know, he, he couldn't tell a lie for a whole day. And that just drove him crazy because he's used to constantly lying. To get his job done, he feels like he needed to lie. But God, he hates a lying tongue. Hates it. Hates a lying tongue. Don't lie. Hands that shed innocent blood. People that go around and they, they kill people. They, they, were, they, were, they didn't do anything. Didn't do anything to them. Didn't do anything wrong. You ever watch those uh, uh, police shows and somebody comes along and they just kill somebody out of spite? Just kill somebody because they were in their way. And it gets you upset, doesn't it? Doesn't it get you mad? Yeah, it gets God mad too. He says, I hate that. I hate that. So if you get mad when you watch those shows and you see somebody, they were innocent, they weren't involved in the whole thing at all, and they just took them out. God, you and me, we're, we're together on this. A heart that devises wicked plans. God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. Not one that the wicked plan just came to you all at once, but you start, you meditated on this. You were up at night, you were up early in the morning, you were thinking about this. How can I pull this off? You all know people like that? How many know people at work? They're just always devising wicked plans to pull somebody else down to make somebody else look bad at the job, to take away their sale, take away something that was good for them. And they just have devised wicked plans to get it done. Word of God says that God hates it. He hates it. Feet that are swift in running to evil. They see evil going on. I mean, they are there. They are out there. They move quick to it. A false witness who speaks lies. All right, now these are not just lies. These are, these are lies spoken as a witness. I saw this happen. They didn't see it happen. 
This is a person who gets up and says, so-and-so did this, but they didn't do it. They present evidence that doesn't exist. God says, I hate a false witness. I hate it when a person steps up and gives a false witness. He's speaking, speaking lies. Well, they're speaking lies. They're, they're not, they didn't see something and interpret it incorrectly. They know what they saw. And they're speaking lies in order to bear false witness. We saw this in the Bible. False witnesses came and spoke against Jesus. False witnesses came and spoke about Stephen. They said things that weren't true because they were paid to, hired to, whatever the reason was. He says, uh, a false witness who speaks lies. And here's the last one. One who sows discord among the brethren. God hates it when someone comes in and sows discord in your life, in your family, in your church, anywhere. God hates it when, when people come in and speak discord among brethren. That's not, oh, he gets him, gets him upset. These are things he does not like. Seven things Proverbs tells us God does not, not only doesn't like, he hates them. He hates them. Hates them. Whenever he sees those things going on, he hates those actions. Oh, I get him. I get his blood boiling. Now, how many of you could come up with seven things that you hate and some of them would be different than what's on this list? All right. You can come up with some other things. And some of them are not on here. But this is what God doesn't like. Proverbs 26, verse 17. We had to say all that because there's one verse in here which if you did not have the benefit of Proverbs 6, you would not know what this verse meant. So no, those are fresh in our mind. Verse 17 of Proverbs 26. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Now, if you take a dog by the ears, what do you not have hold of? The business side of the dog. The part that can get things done. His mouth is right there. And if you take hold of him by his ears, he's real close to you. And that mouth can do some damage. Because that's what dogs can do. They can, they can get you. They can, I mean, quickly. <laughs> they, can, they can do some damage to you. We're not talking chihuahuas. We're talk, the Bible doesn't talk about those things. Dog, the, the, the Bible is talking about dogs. We're talking about a substantial dog. I heard um, uh, Keith Moore was talking about dogs as he sees them in one of the uh, sermons we were listening to this week. He says, uh, he says, I like a dog that when it barks, the walls shake. That's his kind of dog. And his wife had, a, she got the, she liked little dogs. And she got this little, I think it was a Shih Tzu. And he says, yeah, that's <laughs> very different from the dog that, that he had. He likes it. He's had Rottweilers and things along those kind of lines. You know, dogs, and when they bark, you know, this dog's barking and he's got my attention. But he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. In other words, you've taken the dog by the ears. You have brought that dog and its mouth right in front of you. And you are probably going to get bit because most dogs don't like to be grabbed by their ears. They like to be pet by their ears, but not grabbed. Then they will defend themselves. 
So you have taken this on. A person who meddles in a quarrel, not his own. But I was just trying to help. Don't do it. Are you involved in that quarrel? I am not. Stay away. Do not meddle. Do not get involved. Do not try and overhear things. Leave. Because this is what the Word of God. This is what Solomon writes down in the Word of God about the wisdom that God gave him. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Now, you're passing by. You might be thinking, if you're a believer... Well, God may brought me on this situation just to take care of this, just to help out with this thing. I need to get involved. No, you don't. No, you don't. The Word of God is telling you, keep going. Leave. Go away. Does the quarrel involve you? No. Then leave. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Now, that's not good things to be uh, associated with, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. You're throwing it. You're throwing this stuff out there. Now, here's what happens in this. How many of you ever heard people, well, I was only joking. Oh, the Bible says don't do that. That's not what it's saying here. It's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, is the man who deceives his neighbor. The first thing you've got to do is deceive your neighbor. And then says, oh, I was just joking. <laughs> it's just, we're just having fun here, right? Just kind of joking around. No, what you did was you threw out the deception to see if it would stick. When it didn't stick, oh, no, no, I was just joking about that. I was only kidding. Not really meaning that. No, I just, uh, you backed off. You see, you're, this person was testing the waters. He's throwing deception out there to see if you would bite. To see if you would take hold. They may say, hey, did you hear that this thing happened with uh, Brother Joe over here? You want to talk about your brother Joe? Come on, let's go down to brother Joe right now. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk to him. Let's get him involved in this. I don't want you talking about brother Joe without brother Joe being there. Come on, let's go over and see brother Joe. Oh, no, 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 I was just kidding. I was just kidding about that. Not real serious here. Uh-uh. No, see, that's why they do it. They throw it out there. Now, if you had bid on it, what did he do? What did he do? What's going on? Really? See, he, he threw that out there just to try to test the water. See what's going on. Is this any good? Is this, is this something that we want to do here? And then they pursued, per, pursued it. Be careful with those kind of folks. If they say after that, after you catch them in something, I was just joking, I was just joking, mark them. Mm-hmm. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Don't be messing. It's not talking about people who just tell jokes who are just joking about something. It's talking about someone who threw out a deception, meddling in an affair that didn't uh, involve them. And then when you called them on it, they said, "Hi, just joking, just, uh, just kidding, nothing real serious here. Verse 20, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. That's pretty deep, isn't it? How many of you have a house with a fireplace? What happens if you don't feed the fireplace with wood? It goes out. And then what happens to the house? It gets cold. So if you want to have the house warm, keep the wood going in the fireplace. Now, in order for the wood to go in the fireplace, you've got to make preparation. You've got to have dry wood. You've got to do all that sort of stuff. But you've got to keep the firewood going in. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. Tailbearers come in, folks, and they just stir stuff up. 
if there's no strife, there will be by the time they, they leave. They come in, talebearers come in, and the, when they leave, there is strife. How many of you know people like this? When they come into the room, you know someone's going to get mad at somebody. There's going to be strife in this room by the time this person leaves. You've already got them marked. Have you, anybody? I, got, I know some people. I got people in my life, and you know, when they come in, whatever they get involved with, after a while you just want to say, I don't want that person to know anything. I don't want them to know that I even got up this morning. I don't want them to know what color suit I put on. I don't want them to know anything because whatever it is that they know, they're going to use it as worse as they can to, to, to stir things up. They're a tail bearer. He said, just like when there's no wood, there's no fire, or there's no tail bearer, strife ceases. If you have strife in your life, guess what? There's a tail bearer somewhere around. Hopefully, it's not you. Believe me, tail bearers have strife in their life. Their own life. But they also inflict that strife onto other people. It goes on in verse 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. They're just contentious. They just want to stir stuff up. Whatever they get involved with, they can find a problem with it. They can blame somebody for something. I got some people, you know, you go up to them and you try, hi, how you doing? And they'll turn something around about being contentious. Just to pick a fight with something. And the problem with this is that people, when they start following down this, this road, they get worse and worse and worse. But the thing is, they're going to try and get into your life and spread it. Don't let them do it. The words of a tailbearer are like tasty trifles. Ooh. If you don't like trifles, whatever you know they are, um, if just, just pick, picture something that you like. Something that is just, you know, Hershey Kisses. I mean, who doesn't like Hershey Kisses? Anybody? All right, we all like Hershey. I love Hershey Kisses. I think they're, they're great. M&M's. What's not to like about M&M's? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You know, anything tasty like that. You, just, you look at this. Oh, man, they... They look good. You, you, you want some of those things. He says this. The words of a tailbearer are like tasty truffles. Tasty trifles. And they go down into the inmost body. They get all the way down on the inside of you. When a tailbearer comes along, they will get, offer things up to you and they say, Oh, really? It's, and, and they'll say stuff like this. I mean, that's, that's where these shows, I don't know if he's still on the air or not. I know um, people used to make fun of him all the time. Um, uh, Jerry Springer. He used to have, I don't know if he still has the show, but I know he did have a show. And they would bring people on, because you would see the commercials way back when, when you didn't have DVRs and you couldn't fast forward past the commercials. And they would show the commercials for the show. And someone's coming on to out this or talk about this or to tell them why that they're Child is not fathered, but whatever it might be. You know, all the crazy stuff. Why in the world would you go on TV to do something like that? I don't know whether these things are true or not. But people tune in to find out about someone they do not know, probably will never meet, to hear some kind of soot in their life. Right? And all that's going to do is bring strife in your life. Why are soap operas 
popular amongst people. Not church people. I'm sure no one here watches soap operas. But other people outside of church probably sit down and they, they watch the soap opera. And because what happens on a soap opera, I mean, it's all good stuff, right? People helping each other. People encouraging each other. People going to church, worshiping God. Right? Power of God working through them. Probably praying in tongues. Is that what's going on in soap operas? No, that's not, that's not what's going on in soap. What's happening in the soap operas? People are trying to steal each other's wives and husbands. Right? People are telling tales about trying to get someone fired. I mean, it's all, the, the whole show is just nastiness. One nasty thing after another, and yet people will watch it. They're drawn into it. And what happens in their own families, in their own lives, as they watch this stuff? Now, my parents did not watch soap operas, but I had a grandmother who watched them every day. Every day. She would say, I have to watch my stories. That was her terminology. That's what she would use. I have to go watch my stories. There was strife in her life. She was always bringing strife. Every, anytime she got into a situation, she brought strife. Now, her husband, my grandfather, the most peaceful man in the world. He didn't watch them. She would go in. Maybe I'd be over at her house helping them out with stuff. I had to go. She'd have to go sit down and watch her stories. And she didn't watch just one soap opera. She had a couple of them. I don't know which ones. I didn't care which ones they were. I just know they were on in the house and we were outside working and we were out there doing something else. They were going on. But, you know, you're bringing strife in your life. You watch these things and pull these things in. But why is the draw there? Because all that dirt, all that tidbit on people's lives, it's like Hershey Kisses. You eat one, you got to go back and get another one. You know, if you like potato chips, I'm not a huge fan of potato chips. I like potato chips if there's dip. If you got some horseradish dip or some ranch dip or something like that, you know, I'm, I'm there. But just by themselves, uh, and don't, don't, don't get me started on barbecue chips. I don't, I don't like them at all. But if you got a bag of Doritos, we have a problem. Because <laughs> I love Doritos. <laughs> I love Doritos. And if you eat, you have, you know, if you eat, I don't know about you anyway, but me. If I eat one Dorito, man, it can't stop there. I got to go back and get another Dorito. I, I go handfuls of Doritos. If I'm not careful, I can eat an entire bag of Doritos at one lunch. Because they, they are, oh, they are good. I mean, you get one and I just have a couple more. But it's so good. I've just got to have a couple more. You know, it's, mm, it's good. It's like chips and salsa. Except that's probably healthier for you. I'm sure Doritos are not healthy for you at all. But when I'm eating them, I really don't care. We're just enjoying the Doritos. Afterwards, you, you think about all that. And see, that's the, that's the thing. So you eat this stuff, and it's not good for you. But, oh, one after another, after another. And after, after a bit, you feel... Hmm, I shouldn't have eaten so many. It brings strife in your life. Verse 23. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Fervent lips with a wicked heart. All right, you got lips and you're, you're good with them. But you got a wicked heart and you got trouble. It's like taking an earthenware, just a regular common everyday type, like Tupperware. And covering it with silver. Why would you do that? He who hates disguises it 
with his lips. This is what you've got to be careful with a talebearer. A talebearer brings you a tale about other people because they have hatred for them. But they disguise it. Most talebearers I know will talk about the people they hate in a positive way. But then slide in this underhanded, this behind the scenes thing. They know it's going to upset you. But they say it in such a pleasant way. Just bringing you information. <laughs> just letting you know. I mean, you're over there at work. You're over there at work. You've been looking for overtime. You've been asking the boss, I, I need some overtime. And the people around you know you want overtime. And this tailbearer is in the office. And they saw so and such and such an employee staying late. They don't find out why they're staying late. They say, did you know that George over there, they're giving him overtime? Not sure why. They're, giving, they, they're not saying anything about your desire for it. They just said, I'm not sure why, but it looks like George is working overtime. And what happens on the inside of you? Giving George overtime? I've worked here longer than George has. I'm a harder worker than George. What are they having George do that I can't do? I've been asking for overtime. They know it's going to stir something up, but they just present it in such an easy going way. Did you know that George is staying late? I guess he's got overtime or something like that. That's good for George. Glad for George. But they actually don't like George. They're trying to stir you up against George. See how they just come in like that? I've seen it happen so many times in so many different places and jobs and it's it's this is what they do but you got to spot them once you spot them folks mark them they're doing stuff that god hates he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself they're storing it up how can i how can i spin this so that people won't realize i don't like them but, uh, and you know, you've all watched those movies and they always had the, the villain or the villainess. I'm not sure. I, 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 don't, I don't mean to be sexist about this, but I'll tell you what. If you have a villainess in a movie, watch out. <laughs> oh, man, watch out. I mean, she will take anyone down. It don't matter. Yeah, isn't that right? I mean, the, the villainess, I mean, they come in, she's so sweet, and she looks so pretty, and she's all dolled up, and she's actually in there with the knife just stabbing you in the back, and you have no idea, no idea what's going on. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It's, it's tough. See, they have hate. They got hate. They're bottling up hate in the inside. They disguise it with their lips. They make it sound like, oh, I'm just telling you about... Brother so-and-so, I just want, thought you might want to know about this. And they know a whole lot more than they're letting you on. And they know this is going to stir you up. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. When he speaks kindly, when these people come and they speak kind words, you can see this in the movies. You see the villain or the villainess, and they're saying these nice things. And what are you saying? You don't believe a word of that. You're just trying to get them to... You see it there, but in your own life, you don't see it. Now, look at this. We read all the other Proverbs just for this one. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. 
What seven abominations are in his heart? The seven things that the Word of God says are abominations that the Lord hates. All seven are present with this person. All seven things that God hates are present in a talebearer. Now, he's not making a distinction between some talebearers and other talebearers. He says, the talebearer in your midst, the people that are around you, they like to go around telling tales about people. There are seven abominations in their heart. Go back and take a look. A proud look. Do these people have proud looks? Oh, man, do they ever. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. They hate them. They'll they'll shed their blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. They don't just tell a tale. They have a plan about how to bring those people down. Feet that are swift to run into evil. A false witness who speaks lies. Are they not bearing false witness? And one who sows discord among the brethren. Are not all those things present in a talebearer? Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. It's eventually going to come out. And just like in the movies. I mean, every time you watch the movies, the villain or the villainess, at the end, what happens? Everybody finds out about it. You knew it all along. And now everybody else finds out about it. Whoever digs a, a pit will fall into it. <laughs> and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. Be careful what you're doing because it's going to come back. So these people that are bearing, t- bearing tales about you, eventually it's going to come back on them. Don't mess with it. Just don't get involved with their tales. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it and a flattering mouth works ruin. Well, that's the doctrine of it. That's the teaching of it. How about we see where this is actually going, to, going about? In 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? This is unusual. This is the king's servant. Usually people are coming with him. So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you, and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now this is after Saul tried to kill him a couple of times. And he parted with Jonathan and said, I've got to go. I've got to leave. He's going to kill me. And so he fled from Saul's presence. He's leaving Saul, but he had to flee quickly. He didn't have a whole lot of stuff with him. So he left without food, didn't have a sword. So he's asking for some things here. Um, verse 3. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have all at least kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy. And the bread is in effect common, even though it was sanctified in the vessel this day. Now this is when he eats the, uh, takes the showbread and he eats it. Remember Jesus talks about this? And he commended David for it. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. So they had bread there, and they put it before the Lord. Apparently, God likes smelling bread. How many of you like smelling bread? See, you're, you have a lot in common with God. God likes smelling bread. Loves the smell of bread. I've heard people say that if you want to sell your house, bake uh, some bread in the house before someone comes to see it. People like smelling bread. 
I love smelling bread being cooked. Mm. Only thing better is eating bread <laughs> that was just cooked. And you put that butter on as it melts because the bread's hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Mm. Man, forget the Doritos. Just get the bread out there. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's good stuff. So uh, he asked for the bread that they're taking away, the old show bread. And they're putting a new already in this place. That's, uh, so God's going to enjoy the new stuff. And so that's what, that's what he, he does there. But this is what he asked him for. He asked him for two things. He said, give me some, some bread and uh, a sword. He's going to, going to go on here. Now, um, oh, he didn't ask for the sword yet. We'll get there. Verse 7. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. How many Davids do you know? How many people named David do you know? You know people named David? Yeah, we know people. How about people named Jonathan? Do you know people named Jonathan? Yeah. Do you know people named Paul? Do you know people named Matthew? Do you know people named Mark? How many Doegs do you know? That should tell you all you need to know about Doeg. Right? We like these other guys. We want our children to emulate them. We'll name them after them. But there are no Doegs around. I have never met a Doeg. Ever. They're just not there. But here we got a Doeg. Oh, my. He's an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. So, um... He's there. He's eavesdropping on the conversation. Is he involved? He is not involved. Has David asked anything of him? Has the priest asked anything of Doeg? No, but he heard the conversation going on and he decided to listen. He decided to get involved. What's the Word of God say about that? You're going to see in just a little bit. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. I always wondered about that because, you know, I mean, it makes for a good story. And David is giving his story to Ahimelech because he doesn't want Ahimelech to be involved. He knows he's running from the king and he doesn't want to bring Ahimelech in that, look, I'm running from the king. Can you help me this? Because now Ahimelech has to choose between David and Saul. And he doesn't want to make him do that. So he's deceiving him so that he does not have to make this choice, but he can still get what he needs. So he says, you know, you got a sword. Can you imagine this? I'm in too much of a hurry to go back to my house and get us get my weapons, but I can make a stop on the way. That's kind of like, you know, if you're you're getting ready to go on a trip for vacation, and the vacation you know, take you eight nine hours to get there, and the family says, uh, oh, somebody in the family says, you know, one of the little ones says, oh, I need to use the bathroom before we go. Don't worry about it. We'll stop on the way. What is faster, having that little one use the bathroom there before you go or making a stop on the way? We all know which one's faster. But David's trying to say, hey, it was faster for me to find something on the way than it was to go back and get my stuff. Because the king's business was urgent. Now, Doeg is listening in on this conversation. Does Doeg hear these things? Absolutely. So the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, There it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it. For there is no other except that one. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. I killed the guy anyway. I ought to have his sword. (laughs) They have it in like a hall of fame. You know, something like that. And um, and David says, no. uh, I'm going to use that now. 
Jump on down to 1 Samuel 22 and verse 5. Now the prophet Gad said to David, he's already, he, he left there, he went on to another spot, he took his parents, put them into a safe spot because he knew they'd come after them. And then he, uh, he fled on some more. Some people came along to help him. It says, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. When Saul heard that David and the men were with him, had been discovered. Now Saul was staying in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and his servant standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me who or revels to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is to this day. Boy, all these assumptions. First off, Jonathan never stirred up David against them. How does he know that anyone knows about the covenant? But he assumes this. How is it y'all lying to me? All you servants messing with me. Not one of you would come and tell me this is going on. So he's upset with his men. He's offering them rewards for giving them some information. We're all used to people in political power offering things to get people to vote for them, right? To like them, to do good things for them. That's what's going on here. He assumes the conspiracy by all. All you guys are in a conspiracy. I'm sure some of them are saying, what? Jonathan and David have a covenant? What? Really? They have no idea. So he pleads for them to act on emotions, not principles. Leaders who want you to act on emotions and not principles, should not be trusted. You want leaders who want you to react on principles, not emotions. Verse 9, Then then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. He saw this, didn't he? Didn't he see it? He was a witness, wasn't he? Yeah, but look what he says. And he inquired of the Lord for him. Did Ahimelech inquire of the Lord? Did David ask him to inquire of the Lord? Does Ahimelech go off and, and inquire of the Lord? Is there any rec- account of that? No. So what happened here? Doeg added it. False witness. Right there. Just in case what I saw isn't bad enough, we've got we to step this up. He inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions. Did he give him provisions? He gave him bread. Five loaves. That's all he had. All David asked for was bread. He didn't ask for provisions. He asked for bread. Isn't that different? He gave him bread, but Doeg says, gave him provisions. And gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. That one he did do. He gave him the sword. But if Doeg heard the conversation about the sword and about the bread... Then he also heard David tell him he was on the king's business and that Ahimelech thought David was doing what the king wanted and that he was helping the king's servant do what the king wanted done. There is no way Doeg could have heard the conversation without coming out of there knowing that Ahimelech had no idea David was running from Saul. That Ahimelech thought he was helping the king by helping his most trusted servant. He thought his most trusted servant with David. You see what Doeg did? This is exactly what people will try and do in your life. 
They heard, they were there, but they slanted it differently. If you heard the conversation between David and Ahimelech, could you have presented this truthfully in any way that would have made the king think less of Ahimelech? You couldn't have, could you? There's no way. Now, I put this in your outline for you. Uh, Doeg, his name means fearful. That may be another reason why people don't name their kid that. Verse 11. So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. Why is the king doing this? When it sounds suspicious, I, I, don't just want, I don't just want the one who was involved. I want his whole household. I want all the priests. I want them all to come here. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread, a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of, of God for him? Far be it from me. He's saying, I didn't inquire of God for him. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. So he's going to kill him. That's why he brought the whole household out, because he's already determined, listening to Doeg, one person, that he needs to die. All his household needs to die, and all the priests with him need to die. He's already determined that, listening to one person. Talebearers are real good at presenting a story in such a way that you feel like you don't need to go anyplace else. That you've got the full story. If you ever listen to someone and at the end of the conversation, you feel like, well, I got the whole story now and you talk to one person, you more than likely have just talked to a talebearer. Yeah, but they're so nice and they're so good and they said so many kind things. You more than likely just talk to a talebearer. If you talk to someone who had integrity, that person would say, this is how I saw it. This is how I... But you might want to go and get another opinion. You might want to go and see how so-and-so felt. But they don't do that. The Word of God says that on the basis of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Not on the basis of one. Now, Saul's already... He's not following the Word, so we know why he's only doing this on the basis of one. But if you have ever listened to one person recount a story and feel like you have the entire matter in hand, you then more than likely have talked to a talebearer. So, why does he call for all of them? Because he has already decided what he will do without hearing any testimony. He is going to kill them all. As we already said, talebearers have a way of making you think you heard the whole story after only hearing their version. This is what Doeg has done. So now look at the strife that now exists and people will die. There is strife now all over in this, this place and people are about to die. Verse 17, And the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord because their hand also is with David and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. Interesting, isn't it? This king has already shown he will kill people if they don't listen to him. And they heard Doeg's accusation and they heard Ahimelech. They heard both sides. And they came out of that saying, we're not going to kill him. 
We're going to disobey your order, king. We are not going to kill him. So they were able to tell the difference between the two stories and hear the truth. And they wouldn't do it. Plus, they didn't want to kill a priest, probably. And the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck the priest and killed him that day. Eighty-five men who wore a linen ephod. Eighty-five people died because Doeg told a lie. Eighty-five people died because Doeg turned a truth into a lie. Hands that shed innocent blood. Lord hates that. Oh, he hates that. So Doeg does it. He doesn't stop there. Also, Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women Children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. He wiped the entire city out. Now, he knows he told a lie. He knows he didn't represent the truth right. And he goes and he executes the punishment on those people. Because inside of Doeg is hatred. He was in that city. Something must have transpired. Caused Doeg to to hate the priests that were there, something about that city he didn't like. I'm going to find a way to take care of this thing. And he found a way. So in the end, an entire city was wiped out. Not just the priests, but the entire city was wiped out. Because one person told a lie. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David, and Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doag the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. Now how does David know that Doeg was going to be trouble? Because David knew the character of Doeg. He could tell a liar, he could tell a talebearer when he met him. And he said, this guy can be trouble. And he didn't deal with it right away. He didn't, maybe he didn't know what to do with it. But he knew that could be eventually some trouble. He knew about, about Doeg. Here's the thing we've got to learn from this, folks. Be watchful of the signs of a talebearer. They have all seven attributes that God says he hates in them. Be careful of people. When they get done telling you their side of the story, you feel like you've heard it all. And you don't need any other information. Be careful with people like that. They're going to come in your life and they are going to stir up strife. Be careful with people who say things and seemingly are very nice, very loving, seem to be very kind to all the people around them. But after they get done, their words stir up strife, stir up something on the inside of you. Be careful because here's what happens. The enemy sends tail bearers into your life For the purpose of undermining their authority in your life. To get you to change your source of power from God to Him. And He does it by the use of talebearers. He sends these people into your life. These are believers. These are people in church. These are not heathens. If He used a heathen, you wouldn't believe them. He uses people that are in the church people that you know on a regular basis, people that you think are kind, are loving, and that God is using. He brings these people into your life for the purpose of telling tales about other people 
Because if you will buy into those tales, you will cut off any correction, any criticism that you would receive from that person in your life. Thereby, changing your power source from where it should be to another. And when you change that power source, you change it to the devil. And now you have no power to stand against him. Because he's the power who's behind what you have. This is the tactic of the enemy. This is what he tries to get this to, to fall for. But don't do it. Don't do it. Don't listen to that. On the basis of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. People will go around and they will tell you something so innocently. Oh, did you know that so-and-so stayed late after work? I wonder if they're working overtime. Haven't you been wanting some overtime? I wonder why they didn't ask you. It sounds so innocent, but it stirred up something on the inside of you. And you don't go and check it out with any other source, do you? Well, don't tell George I told you that. He, maybe it's not supposed to be going around. Let's keep it secret. Let's just keep it between us. All right? Don't trust these people. Mark them. They are talebearers. They inhabit seven abominations that God says he hates. Hates. Don't bring them into your life. Don't bring them into your life. Get them out of your house. Be careful with them. Because people who will bring this kind of thing will eventually start to throw out other stuff and begin to become critical of leaders that God has put in the church, critical of God, critical of His Word, and get you to undermine it. They'll throw this out. Well, you know, the Word doesn't really mean to do... What do you mean the Word doesn't mean to do... Oh, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. I said that wrong. They pull it back because they realize you're not, you're not ready to hear that just yet. No, we've got we to gotta pull that back and soften that up a little bit. Maybe down the road you'll, you'll take that on. Be careful with these folks. They are in the body of Christ. They are all around you. You have no reason to fear them because the Word of God has exposed them. This is what they do. Anytime, how many, how many people would say this? I know people who speak so kindly about other folks, but on the inside, I, it makes me not trust them, trust the people that they're talking about. Yeah, that's a talebearer. You just spotted them. Now you know, all right, we, we don't want to do something with this. We've got to be careful. We, we can't see, see these kind of things. Anybody ever play? It's been years, a long, long time ago. I used to play this game called, uh, uh, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Uh, big big board, bunch of dots on the board, and uh, or a bunch of squares, and underneath of it are mines. There are all these mines that go off, and so what you have to do is you have to click on a square, and all of a sudden it'll just explode out to where all these uh, what's it called? Minesweeper. There you go. All right, and so you you click on this one, and all the open ones that are around it open up, and then all these other ones open up with numbers, and the numbers are clues as to where the mines are, and as you learn the numbers. You, you begin to mark, all right, there's a mine here, there's a mine here, there's a mine here, there's a mine here, until you find all the mines in the thing, and then you win the puzzle. God has given you clues to let you know where the mines are. Don't go near the mines. They just want to hurt you. They either have hate for you or hate for the people they're talking about. And they're trying to undermine their life or trying to undermine yours. Don't let them do it. Be careful, because he's trying to get you to switch your power source. 
He's trying to get you to move from receiving from God or receiving from the servants that God has put in your life. And if he gets you to do that, he'll switch your power. And you're not receiving from God anymore. Be careful. Don't let that happen. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to under... Uh, the, the, the enemy wants to undermine us, take our power, take our source out from under us. But Father, you have undermined him by exposing all his ways, exposing his servants, exposing his people, that we can spot them. And when we notice them, when we see them, we can say, oh, this is a person who's working for the other side. We don't need to listen to anything they say. Whatever they say, more than likely, is not true. And at least it's not true to the extent that they tell us. And Father, we won't let a wedge be driven between us and you, or between us and other believers, or between us and those leaders that you have put in our life. We thank you for all these things, for they speak encouragement, they speak help, they speak correction to us. To keep us on the right way. We thank you for the help that you give us in it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Glory to God. We got some praise reports of what God was, was doing this week. You get them there with you? From Candy and Bobby. So we want to thank everyone for your prayers, your kind words, your phone calls, and other acts of kindness. It means a lot um, when you can depend on your church at our time of bereavement. Thank you again and God bless you all. I'm glad you guys are back safe and sound. And this one was from Ethel this morning. She said she spent last night coughing and tossing and turning, but this morning woke up with no ill effects and was able to be here today. So praise God for her healing. Anybody else have some praise reports this morning or 